0: today um you see behind me uh, money matters and all of a sudden the wind comes out of the sail you know like i i imagine like this whole week i'm like lord i really want to go to the sermon series next week can i just kind of skip ahead and the lord's like no i told you to talk about this i'm like i really don't want to nobody enjoys this sermon i mean like like i was like you know this is not the usual typical sermon where they're like that a boy man that was one of your best it's usually like Really, I came on this Sunday? I could have slept in. I could have been in my pajamas. I could have watched this online this Sunday. Yes, you could have, but you're here too late. Lock the doors. I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. (laughs) I'm telling you, money matters. Um, Larry Burkett used to say this all the time, money matters. You know why money matters? Money matters to you. Whether you want to admit it or not, it matters to you. Because if you don't have it, you don't pay your bills. You don't pay your bills, you don't have a house right? Does money matter to you? Yeah. Guess what? It also matters to God. And the Bible is filled with all kinds of teachings. I started, I made like three pages of notes, just single verses throughout the Bible that talked about giving, money, generosity. It's the Bible from beginning to end is packed. And I was like, okay, I can't really bring up all of those verses. I will wear everyone out. But here's the deal. Money matters. It does. And the thing is, is that a lot of times Well, let's be honest, most of us identify ourselves by our jobs. I'm a truck driver, I'm a farmer, I'm even, I'm a pastor. We identify ourselves by what we do in which we make money. How often have you identified when you're trying to explain who you are, you immediately went to the job that you do for a living? How many of you, come on, how many of you, like, I'm a teacher, I'm a this, I'm a this, and you, you, and then guess what? Then what we also then is describe our worth by what we're paid. You ascribe a value, well, you know, I get paid, so somebody says, hey, how much would you charge to come and, and build this wall? Well, I get $10 an hour, I get $12 an hour, and somebody who gets $10 an hour versus a person says, I get $25 an hour, and they ascribe themselves, and their value comes from how much they make. That is not God's plan for your life. That is not how God wants you to see you. You are not by your profession. You are a child of God. And until we begin to realize that I am not identified by what I do, I'm identified by who I am, you'll never get past this money problem. Your identity is not in your job. It's not in your career path. That is just a means to pay the bills. We ascribe way too much of a value on money and not enough on who we really are on the inside. The problem that we have is that our treasures are placed in the wrong place. Our treasure is in the wrong place. Your treasure is what you value. So let me show you this passage. Matthew chapter 6 and it says this do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there's your heart I almost I forgot I was in a hurry to get here to get the chairs in place I was going to bring one of my greatest treasures here on earth which is my bow not even going to lie to you, her name's Eva. (laughs) I named her. Yep, she's beautiful. I love her. Um, Every year I like to to add things, you know, accessories. I like to accessorize my bow. Um, I probably paid more for my bow and all the accessories and the arrows and the broadheads and all these things than I would want to admit in a public setting. That is one of my high, it's, it's something I treasure. It is. Now, but the problem is, is this, do, is, is this a greater treasure? So where your heart is, where you, where, where your, your heart is where your treasure is. So do I, is this my number one treasure or is this just something that I value? Like I love hunting, but here's the reality. Does that get in the way? Is that value getting to where I'm putting that before God? See that's where that's where we get a lot of problems is that we say well I love God more but we put give, we give him less time we give him less resources our money we give him less of our abilities we give him less of ourselves and we're pouring ourselves into this thing that we love that's when we're getting a, a value and worth issue you guys get what I'm saying there I remember there was a time I was pastoring a church and I was kind of in my own little spiritual drought and uh, hunting season came upon and I mean, I was in a deer stand all the time. And I had somebody in the church come to me and they said, Daniel, please don't be offended. Usually when somebody says that, you know that they're gonna say something offensive, right? Like, don't be offended, but. Why is there always one of those in every conversation? No, okay, so um, so I, I said, okay, I'll try not to be. And then it's like, you know, I really feel like you care more about hunting than what you do about the church flock here. And you know what? They were right. I had became obsessed and chase after deer in an unhealthy way. My treasure values, my, what I treasured got warped. Has any of you guys ever had some things in your life that you really, 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 really treasure and it got between you and God? Okay, right? It could be a car. I'm just talking, I'm a bow hunter. I love it. That's, where, that's what I, ha- I have to keep a very close eye on That It could be your car. It could be your clothes. It could be your shoes. It could, I don't know, um, it could be your, your, your livestock, your farm. Your, it could be your job, your business, your career path. But the point is is that what God is saying to us is like, don't store up all your treasure here on earth because you're not taking it with you. When you die, you are not taking any of that stuff with you. Store up treasure in heaven that doesn't rust, that doesn't break, that doesn't break down, doesn't tear up. See, we're so earthly-minded, we're so focused on earthly things, we've become not very good at being kingdom-minded. Right? When we focus on our career, we focus on our job, we focus on our our little kingdoms that we have and, and, and building our little kingdoms, we get so focused on everything that's happening on earth that we're not really focused on bringing God's kingdom here. And that's just a little foretaste of where we're going next week. We're going to talk about real prayer next week. Talking about how do we pray God's kingdom here. But the thing is, is, if I can't have a kingdom mindset, I'm never going to ask for his kingdom to come. Just a few verses later after this, that I just put up here, 619 and verse 31, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things are going to be added to you. All the things that you need God's going to take care of but you got to seek his kingdom first. The problem is is there's so many things in our life that I don't need that I'm focusing all my attention, my money, my resources, everything on. All right so you guys ready? Maybe we're not convinced that the focus thing is wrong. Maybe maybe, uh, we need a little bit more convincing. I, I came prepared. Do you know what the top three Top three leading causes of divorce in America is top three. I'm going to give you top three. Number one, incompatibility. We're too different. Number two, infidelity. Number three, money issues. Number three, when people get divorced and they're asked, why are you getting a divorce 25 percent of people said money issues we got divorced because of money issues really we got divorced because of money issues that's the top three guess what's in the top three of depression money guess what's in the top three of suicide money so if we don't think that money matters we're fooling ourselves It does matter. It causes depression. It causes insecurity. It causes uh, uh, suicide, high suicide rates. It causes a high divorce rate. Maybe because we don't spend enough time talking about it. I started thinking, why do preachers not talk about it? Because this is the most offensive message in the book. You want to offend, offend the most people on any given Sunday talk about their money. Why? Because there's a greedy monster in every one of us. And we don't want anyone telling us what to do with our money. And that's how we often perceive these kind of messages. I always make sure, if you guys ever listen to me talk about money, you know what I always say? If you don't trust us, then don't give to us. Give to somebody. If you, don't, if you do not think that living water is trustworthy, in the, in the, where you don't want to put your finances investing in this ministry, invest in a different one. Because it's not about me trying to get your money. God's got all the money in the world. This is more about where your heart is. And a lot of times we get mad and we get offended because somebody talks about money. Well, these money issues come in a lot of different ways, right? So we, we, when I said money issues is the third leading cause. One out of every four divorces have their reason as money. Some of you are very young in your marriages, and maybe you're already figuring out that you got money issues. Won't won't ask for, that'll be a rhetorical question because I don't want to, to throw you completely under the bus uh, on that one. But <clears throat> so let me talk about three major areas where we, where we can look at money issues. Okay, number one, poor money management. Most people can earn enough money to pay their bills. However, they don't. Why? Because they don't know how to manage it. If I were to say, raise your hand, do not. But if I were to ask how many of you have an active budget that you are living out, it's on your fridge, or we plaster ours there often. And so if any of you, you know, like you think about it, how many of us in this room are actually have a budget that we are living by? Most people would not raise their hand because they're not. We live paycheck to paycheck. We live as like in your mind, you're kind of rolling around. I got to pay this and I got to pay this and I got to pay this and then we justify all the things that we spend because I don't have to pay that bill until the next paycheck and what you're doing is you're just kind of trying to in your head do the math and then we get messed up on that. Am I right? Come on. Don't get quiet on me now. What good is a sermon if it doesn't hit us where it hurts, right? What good is it? So, all right. So let me tell you this. I love this. Dave Ramsey, budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Come on, right? That's exactly what a budget is. When we tell our ministry leaders, hey, guys, you got a budget this year. I'm like, oh, budget, does that mean that we don't have any money? No, we're responsible with what we do with it. So you're going to be responsible too. You must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. How many of you have felt like you've been controlled by your finances? The money's more in control of you because you don't have a budget. And I'm not trying to be mean, but until you have a budget that you live by, it will continue to control you because you have to wonder at the end of the month why you don't have enough to pay your bills. Most people, when they sit down and they write down all the income coming in and they write down all of their bills, their actual bills, not the things that they want, the actual bills, they're saying, oh, I have enough to make it. But why am I not making it? Probably a budget issue. Number two of money problems, all right? Number two, debt. I put it as something owed, but let me give you a better definition of debt if you want to write this down. I do not have this on a slide. Debt is spending money that you don't have. Come on. Write it down. (laughs) Come on. Write it down. Money is spending, uh, debt is money spent that you do not have. That's exactly what debt is. I don't have the money for it. I want it anyways. Now I'm in debt. Where's the amen on that? That was a good one. That was a good one. And you know what? Guess what? Most of the debt we have is on things we didn't need. Because the American way is get what you want when you want it. We live in a culture that does not have a clue how to manage money. We have a nation that is in debt up to their ears because we have a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing with money. That doesn't mean that it makes it okay for you to do whatever you want with it. Just because a bunch of government people don't have a clue on how to deal with money doesn't mean that you should go into debt up to your ears too. We spend so much money on things that we don't need. Mm. One of the amazing things is that Dave Ramsey also says about debt, it's not a tool, it's a method to make banks wealthy off of you. Come on. They make it sound like it's for you. Oh, we want to help you out. They don't want to help you out. They hope that you get the loan, pay a bunch of money towards the loan, and then get to repossess whatever you have so now they get to double down on your back. This ain't about you making and getting what you want. This is about putting you in debt so they can make money off of you. That's what it is. Actually, Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor... Because the borrower is a slave to the lender. Think about it. The moment you begin to borrow, you owe them. I love this. The fact is the government can get out of debt. The same way you get out of debt, you quit borrowing money. You quit spending and you balance the budget. Man, if we could just take that one quote and send that right up to the government and say, could you guys please learn how to do those three things? Quit spending! Stop it! We have to spend and spend and spend. Why? So we have more debt. We want to talk about all the issues that you have in your life and when we start talking about money issues, because we don't know how to manage the money, we end up getting ourselves in a lot of debt. When we get ourselves in a lot of debt, we add stress that God never intended you to do. Which brings us to the next thing that I want to talk about when we have money issues is greed. It's an intense and selfish desire for more. We have to have it today. I mean, where did that come from? Why do I have to have it today if I don't have the money for it? Think about this. I mean, this. I know this is going to hit us. I know it is. Most of us in this room have a credit card or we got a credit card and it got taken away because we couldn't manage the credit card, but most of us have had a contact with credit cards. Credit cards are to give you money that you don't have and then you got to pay all the interest on it. See, debt goes right into this greed issue. I can't wait till tomorrow. I have to have it today. You guys are really quiet. Man, he's like, wow. All right. Just just checking. I mean, how you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Are our toes hurting a little bit? Is that, is that, what's, is that what's going on? I mean, usually you guys get a little rowdy, and you're like, hey, amen. You know, like, yeah, tell us. Get us. And then all of a sudden, like, this is too personal. This is too personal. Pastor, it's too personal. All right. If it's awkward for you, just know that it's like 250 times more awkward when I'm looking at you. Just know, whatever faces, your faces are telling me the whole story. My wife, she is the greatest. You don't ever have to hear her say anything. Her face will tell you everything she's thinking. I'm like, oh, wow, Barbara, I didn't say anything. Your face said it. Totally said everything. No one has to wonder what you're thinking. It's right there written all over your face. So you guys have the same problem as my wife? <laughs> All right, okay. So, I love this. Um, we create stress in our lives where God did not intend it to be. Don't miss this. When we borrow from a bank today, you create unnecessary worry tomorrow. Because now, guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, not only do you have to pay that day's bills, but now you on top of that have the money responsible for the money that you borrowed yesterday because you didn't have it. In fact, I love, Dave Dave Ramsey has this great book and I'll tell you all to go out and get it called Total Money Makeover. Um, My wife and I, when we were young, we were in our third year of marriage and we went bankrupt. We lost everything. We had gotten ourselves upside down all these credit card companies kept giving us these offers, these great offers in the mail, and we like had credit cards, and we're like, wow, this is awesome, we got money, I want to go get a motorcycle. I got a new motorcycle, I got her a new car because I wanted the motorcycle. I was like, hey, I'll get you a new car, I get a new motorcycle, right? Had this really awesome Honda Retro 1300, oh, it was slick, had Cobra pipes, and it was loud, you know? And then I had a truck that was still not paid for, and she had this Ford Focus probably should have got her a better car but anyways and so we had this debt and then you know somebody shows up knocks on the door and then shows me this rainbow vacuum have you ever heard of those things the guy guilted me into buying the dumb thing because he showed me how much dirt was on my mattress and I felt like if I didn't buy this stupid thing that I was going to have dirt on my mattress well guess what it still had dirt on the mattress and then all of a sudden I had all these phone calls. Hey, you owe me money. You owe me money. You owe me money. I'm like, I don't got it. I can't give you what I don't have. And they said, "But you borrowed it." I created so much stress in my wife's life because I had to have today what I didn't have the money for. If you don't have the money, then leave it alone. The only thing that in Dave Ramsey's book, he talks about the one thing that you can get into debt in, it'd be on your home. And he also gives a certain percentage of what you can do versus your deal. I don't remember all the details. Even a car. He says, make payments to yourself. You want a car, make a payment to yourself. And when you get enough, go buy it. But see, we create all this extra stress that we don't need because we have to have today. But where does that come from? And that's why I'm wanting you got to understand it's a, it's a greed issue in us. That's hard to hear, isn't it? Let me even make it harder. Pastor Paul's like, I can't wait to do this Sunday school lesson next week. <laughs> like this, nobody's going to show up to Sunday school. First Corinthians six. Or don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. There are tons of verses that talk about how the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. And guess what? There's a little greedy monster in every one of us. And if we are not going to be honest enough with ourselves to say there's a little greedy monster inside of me that I need to deal with, then we're being foolish. How many of you have a little greedy monster inside of you? I know I do. Okay, everybody else is lying. You got another, you got a greedy monster and a lying monster in there. Okay, I'm just, I'm just checking. Just seeing, okay. All right. There's tons of scriptures that go through and talk about money. One, one, a popular one is Deuteronomy eight eighteen. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. God is giving you the ability to get the job that you have, giving you the abilities. Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has enough. See, it's not just about money. A lot of times it's not the money at all. Sometimes it's the stuff that we want that comes from the money. So it's not that I love the money. Little, the, I love the stuff that the money can get me. So I, I could care less about money or if I have it, I just want a nice bow. And I want a nice tree stand. And I want a nice this. And I want a this. And I want a this. And I want a this. So I like what the money can, can give me. That's what the problem is, is that when you love that stuff and that stuff becomes your love, you never get enough of it. So, I want you to understand that we are accountable to God for how we spend our money. Do you belong to God? Yes. Did, did your, your spouse, if you're married, did God create them? So therefore, they belong to their creator. Your kids, were they created by God? Yep. They belong to the creator who created them. So if I belong to God, then everything that I think I have is his too. My car is not really my car. He just lets me drive it around. My house is not really my house. He gave me every ability that I have to do anything that I do. So when I start thinking about it, it's everything. When I get to a place of saying, God, everything's yours, it makes it a lot easier. So God, what do you want me to do with it? What do you want us to do with this farm? What do you want me to do with this car? What do you want us to do with the right resources? What do you want me to do with my gifts? What do you want me to do with my abilities? God, what do you want me to do as a husband in my house? What do you want me to do as a father in my house? The the point beginning that I begin to look at myself and say, God, everything that I am and everything that I have is yours, so, God, what do you want me to do with your stuff? The moment I give it all away, it gets a lot easier. God, it's yours. It's not mine. So, the passage that we're going to be looking at, we're going to get really awesome principles, is uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So I want you to, if you, if you, you can follow on the, on the screen or you can um, follow in, um, in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, and now brothers and sisters. So Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church has a lot of problems, okay? He had to write two letters to try to straighten them out. Have you ever met a church that's got a lot of problems, All churches have a lot of problems. The more people you have, the more problems you have because every one of us has a problem and we brought it with us. You might be sitting next to it. I just got... Cheyenne laughed really loud. I mean, really loud. That kind of like was a slip. You didn't even mean for that to come out. Well, Jeff, I'm praying for you. Okay. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, he sets the stage for what the church is going through. The Macedonian churches were um, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. They were some of the poorest areas. They were some of the poorest areas around, and so these, these churches weren't on the coast. They weren't money-making churches they weren't in rich cities they were in very impoverished areas so he's letting them know he goes I want you to understand their severe trial their overflowing joy and their so so the severe trial and extreme poverty are two different things did you see the and there and it's right there somewhere and right In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. So not only did this, were they in extreme poverty, but they were also going through a severe trial. In fact, when you read through the book of Acts, you see how much persecution for believing in God was happening in those areas. In the Macedonian area, they were severely um, persecuted for believing and following Christ. So not only were they persecuted for believing in Christ, but they were also living in extreme poverty. That's the setting of these churches. Paul's bragging on them, and he says this. In the midst of their severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I'm sitting there going, what does that look like? So what, what happened is here's a church. They didn't have a lot of money and it, they, they, they wanted to help. So when they wanted to help, it welled up inside of themselves, this overflowing joy. Though they were in extreme poverty, hear me, though they were in severe trial and extreme poverty, there was an overflowing joy that welled up in them and became generous. And they gave to the ability, and yes, even beyond their ability. Has any American given beyond their ability? I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. No, I'm not sorry at all, but isn't that true, though? That's hard, wasn't it? Have I ever given beyond my ability? Have I ever given until it actually hurt? Or did I just give what I could feel comfortable giving? Did I ever feel uncomfortable in my giving? Did I ever find a need that was so strong in my heart that I wanted to give more? and more and more, and even though I'm looking at it going, Man, I don't know that I can do this, but Lord, I am trusting you. I'm going to give until it hurts this time. Entirely on their own. No one had to guilt them into it. No one had to guilt them. They did it on their own. They wanted to. Whew. Let's look at the next part. The next verse, verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. The first point I want you to understand about giving, what it is, it's a privilege. And until we understand that giving is an absolute privilege, we'll never enjoy it. When you come to the place in your heart where you're so overflowing with joy and it's welling up inside of you because God has blessed your socks off and you're sitting there and you're filled with so much joy, All of a sudden, you're like, I want the privilege. See, they urgently pleaded. I have never seen a church say, would you please pass the offering plates? I want to give. That was funny. You guys are so serious right now. Isn't it true, though? Have we ever like, hey, pastor, you forgot to pass the offering plates. Man, we really want to give. Would you pass those suckers? You know what? I don't really, I didn't give enough the first time. Would you pass them a second? I remember some churches back in the day that if they didn't feel like enough money got on the first round, they're passing them again. (laughs) That's guilting people into doing something that they should want to do. And I want you to understand, giving is a privilege. Get that. When you get that, you'll start enjoying it. It's a privilege. It is not just about money. But what we don't, we, we, we're more willing, we're like, I'll give more of my time so I don't have to give as much of my money. That's a prideful, greedy heart. I should want to give my time, I should want to, it's a privilege to give my time, it's a privilege to give my talent, and it's a privilege to give my money away. It's a privilege. See, Christians today are not as generous as what the Bible says they should be. We're all sore from last night, and we're really going to be sore going home today. It's like, man. All right, hold on. Hold, hold fast, all right? So they urgently pleaded with the privilege. So giving is a privilege. Let's go on, verse 5 through 7. And they exceeded, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had early, earlier um, made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, now he's talking about the Corinthian church. Now that you excel in everything, in in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Giving is grace. Have you ever realized that when you put money or you give someone money, or you help somebody out, that that is a grace that you're giving it It's an unearned, undeserved grace. It's a gift. When you put money in the plates, or you give to a ministry, you're giving grace. Just like God gave you grace. Can any amount of money in my life ever pay for the grace I have received? I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Is there any amount of money that you could give in your entire lifetime that would be equal to the amount of grace God gave you? So when we give, it's grace. It's grace. See, giving should be a good thing. It should be something that we're excited about. God, I got the privilege, and I, I, God, I'm going to give grace today. I received grace, and I'm going to give it. The kingdom of God spreads through our genuine care and concern and eagerness to help our fellow man. The greatest evidence of God's grace in the Macedonians was on full display with their generosity. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. all right let's look at the next one verse 8 and 9 I love this I'm not commanding you so what he's trying to tell the Corinthian church I'm not commanding you to do this so you're not bound by commandment to give you don't want to give don't give I'm not commanding you but I want to test the sincerity of your love I was reading that I'm like oh can you imagine being the Corinthian church reading this I'm not commanding you to give, but I do want to test to see how sincere your love is. Is your love real? Is it genuine? Is it sincere? I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So they already gave. The Macedonians already gave. They gave beyond their ability, and they were earnest. They they did it with everything that they were. Then he says, so I'm wanting to test your love by what they've already done. So are you going to back up this love? Is your love going to be real? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Have you ever thought of it that way? That maybe a lot of the things that I have in my life was actually because Christ became poor for me and opened the door for me and then I've allowed that little stupid green greedy monster inside my heart. And I think it's all about me again. Greed is selfish, remember? It's selfish, self-centered. See, giving is a proof of sincere love. The, the Corinthian church was good at everything they did. Have you ever met somebody who was just good at everything they did? They're kind of annoying, right? Like, they, they could just do anything. They, they pick it up and they're like, whatever, whatever. Here, here, so the, the, the Corinthian church was good at everything they did. They was good at faith. <laughs> they was good at knowledge of God. They was good at, they were, they were, he listed all these things out. He's, he's, he's like, you're, you're good at all these things. You've excelled in everything in faith. You talk good. You have knowledge. You have a complete earnestness. You have a love inside of you. He's saying, you're so good, you excel at everything you do. Make sure you excel at this too. He wanted them to lead the way because they were capable of leading the way. See, Corinthian, the Corinthian church, the Corinthian community, they were in a very rich environment. They, had, they, were, they, they were strategically placed in the Roman Empire and they made money. Money was, They were not in extreme poverty. They, they had all kinds of money. And so he wanted them to lead the way. He wanted them to set the example because they were able to. He wasn't expecting those who were extremely impoverished to set the example. He expected those who had it to set the example. Let me keep going. Verse 10. And here is my judgment about the best, what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work. Finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. So the first thing I want to bring up is how do you decide? Because a lot of people struggle with, well, how do I decide what I give? Because there's all these different schools of thought. You know, there's tithing. You know, we see that a lot in the Old Testament. Um, You know, a 10%. How do you decide how to give? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of of, of um, principles that we can see through the remainder of this passage that might help you in that area. One, he says, fulfill, you know, he, he finish what you started, finish the work. One of the things I want to tell you when it comes to, to money management is this: fulfill your financial commitments. Inside your bulletin, I gave you just a half sheet of paper and it says monthly budget. You guys remember that? You see that? So what I did is I just, you know, and this isn't a complete thing. I only had a half a piece of paper to work with. But the first thing that you do when you're working on a monthly budget is you put down your, the income. What do I get from my job? So then you know how much you're working with the rest of the month. So if I get paid this amount of money, I put that in there. The job, you know, like, hey, I get paid this for this, and I get paid this here, and I get paid this here. You know, you write your job down, you write the number out, and then you add them all up, and you put it in that green little box. Then expenses tier one and this is all on purpose tier one is the first my first priority my first priority is God this is how my wife and I write a budget our tithe to God God first most people when they go to give God money we often have a bad habit of giving him our leftovers okay so what we do is we we, because we don't manage our money, we take out all of the, we, we, we do all the things that we can and want, and then if there's anything left over, here's God, here's my leftovers. One of the things that we have learned through reading a lot of the Old Testament is that the people of Israel gave God the first fruits. They called it the first fruits. So what would happen is when they would go and harvest their crops, you couldn't harvest them in one day, they didn't have combines. They did it all by hand. So what they would do is they would go out and they would would harvest and out of the first part of the harvest, the stuff that they were guaranteed that they had in their hands, they gave it to God. Then they hoped that God would allow them to get the rest of the crops. First fruits. That's why it's called first fruit. God, I'm going to give you the best of my first. The other thing I put in there was taxes. A lot of times people get caught up and they're like, oh my goodness, I wasn't ready because you didn't manage. So if you Know that you pay into taxes all the time, set up whatever that percentage is and put it aside. I put savings in here because we should be putting money away in a savings account. My dad has told me, Daniel, if you're managing your money well, you'll have three months of bills in a savings account for that only purpose. You lose your job, you can live for three months. If the world goes into a great recession, you have three months to make it. You have three months to figure it out. When you live paycheck to paycheck, you don't have any time to figure it out. So if you don't save money, you won't have it when you need it. Tier two, I need to pay a house. I need food, utilities, electric, water, sewage, water, waste removal, gas, propane, home insurance, auto payment, auto insurance, gas maintenance, that's kind of stuff on your vehicle. Here's the deal. A lot of people, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, hey, I can't pay my electricity bill. And I look at my list and I'm like, that is my third thing down the list. How did you not pay your third most important thing down your list? Because it wasn't third most important to them. We'll pay our phone bill, our internet, our cable TV before we... I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody say, well, I've had to pay my cable bill. I had to pay my my internet. What good is that if you don't have electricity? (laughs) Your TV doesn't do anything but the black thing now. Your electricity comes before the entertainment. Right? Come on now. We think it's funny because it's happened to us a couple of times in our life. We don't have our priorities straight. You pay your house payment because you have to provide for your family or roof. You pay for your electricity so they're warm when it's cold and they're cold when it's hot. You pay for food so they can eat. You take care of your family. You be responsible. If we just had some more responsible, mature people that manage their money just a little bit better. You see, in tier three, I put cell phones. I don't have to have a cell phone. In fact, I lived a long time without them. But you know what? In our culture, our cell phones are more important than any other aspect of your life. There will be homeless people sitting on the side of the road with a cell phone and I just don't understand it. How can you be homeless and have a cell phone turned on? Because their tier three is tier one to them. That is not maturity. Your credit card payment direct tv cable you can live without that you can live without netflix hulu PureFlix, even though that's really good internet all the debts that we have listed up do you see how all that keeps going down and what we happen is this and this is another problem and i'm going to i'm going to move on but here's the other thing that we often have a problem with guys we get a raise that we've been praying for because we've been su- under such financial heartache right like, God, I need this raise. God, I need this raise. God, I need this raise. We get a raise and then we go buy something new. All the while, God's like, <sighs> hello, what are you doing? You didn't pay off your other responsibilities before you put more responsibilities on. No wonder you're stressed. Guys, I will encourage you if you struggle with money because if money does matter. It matters in your life and it matters to God. He doesn't want you walking around with unnecessary stress and most of the stress you have is unnecessary. I want to encourage you to go get the t- total money makeover. I do. Follow it. One of the things that it causes you to do is it starts making you list out your debt and it sees how much debt you can get rid of in a year. Financial debt. Peace University, bring peace back into your life by getting rid of a bunch of debt that you didn't need to begin with. All right, moving on. All right, verse eight or chapter eight, verse twelve. So not only do we need to fulfill our financial commitments, but for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does. I, I I love this because most of the time, what we do is we feel like man. I, they're asking or, or or the church is asking or somebody's asking or, or or how do i know how much to give the willingness if your willingness is there the gift is acceptable see it's not about amount understand that god doesn't care how much it's not about the amount it never was it was about your heart it was about whether what kind of a heart you gave out of. When you give your time, when you sit in the nursery room, when you help with the children, where's your heart? If it's like, I don't want to do this and I can't stand this, you're wasting your time because your gift was not accepted. When your heart is willing and I want to give of my time, I want to give of my resource, I want to give of me, that's when it's acceptable. It's not about the amount. In fact, one of the best stories in the entire Bible was Jesus, when he was teaching about a little widowed woman who brought in a little copper coin. She came in, all the Pharisees were dropping their money, they're dropping the big $100 bills, and they're the they're, they're, they're rolls of money, and the coins are clashing, and they're making a big spectacle of how much they can give, and here's this little widow, you know, comes up there, and she just puts one little copper coin, and Jesus says, disciples, come here. I want to teach us. look at that lady right there. She gave more than anyone else here, and they're like, Jesus, you're like the son of God. You're supposed to have perfect eyesight. He says all of the rest of them, they gave, they didn't say that. I'm just, that was a little added part, parentheses, just in case we are like, really, the Bible says that? It's in the message Bible. It's me. I'm just kidding, it's not in there either. I'm sorry, a little facetious. Okay, so, but he says disciples, everyone else gave out of their abundance. They gave out of their wealth. She gave out of her poverty. Her gift was more. A lot of people say, Daniel, I don't have much to give. It's never been about the amount. I don't know how much it is. I don't even care. The blessing that comes when we give ourselves to God, when the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Time, talent, treasure, whatever it is. It's not according to what one does not have. It's not saying that you're ever. God never asks you to give what you don't have. And he never asks you to give in proportionate to what you have. He's just saying, listen, according to the means that you have, give to his kingdom. Not to me. Not even to living water. Give to the kingdom. Do you hear me there? Give to the kingdom. If anybody ever questions my heart, don't give here. My treasure is not here today, so I can say that. <laughs> but I am serious about that. Give to the kingdom of God. Seek ye his first the kingdom of God. Make sure that you find something worth and valuable that when you give, you know it's making a difference. Give to where it makes a difference in this world. I don't want anybody to give if we're not going to make a difference here. I don't want anybody wasting their hard-earned Gifts of grace. I love this. Verse 13, this is it. This is the last slide. You're like, praise God, we're going to get out of here. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. What he's saying is here's the principle. If everybody will have that willing eagerness to give in proportion to what they have, it supplies the need of the whole. Everyone's doing their part together. Can you imagine what happens when everybody does their part together? I'll tell you something like last night happens. Last night we were having our prom. Um, And the prom was just a fun way to do fundraising. And what I was so proud, I was so proud. Like, we're in Benton County. This is not a rich community. True? This is not a rich community. And there was over $5,200 raised for outside the church. Not, Not inside. Outside. People in the community and people within this church raised $5,200. $1,000 went to Roll On. $1,000 went to um, uh, Crossroads. Uh, $2,000 went to a little girl who's got some medical bills and she's got some medical health issues and she's got to go back up to Boston and go through all of it again. Isn't that remarkable? When you have more money from a fundraiser going outside than inside, that gets me excited because that lets me know that we're doing the right thing. If we had more money coming inside than outside, I think we got it backwards. I get excited when we start seeing this generosity of saying, I want to help that little girl. I want to help that family. I want to help Crossroads in their ministry. I want to help Roll On. And all of a sudden you see all of this happening and everybody was, was eager. They were willing and God accepted that and he made the blessing go out. A little church like this, in a small community, we're much like the Macedonians, aren't we? Isn't that awesome? We're kind of like the Macedonians here. There's some churches out there that got some major, major bucks coming through and we're like, man, you know what? We're sending it out just as fast as it's coming out because we want to help people. We want to help our community. I get excited about that. I get excited when God doesn't hold us. He doesn't hold us to a standard that we can't do. He doesn't tell us that give beyond. He never asked us to give beyond. They did that because they wanted to. They did it on their own. They, didn't even, they weren't urged to do it. they just did it on their own. And so what I want you guys, in, and my goal in this was not to offend you. That's why I throw in as much humor as I can, so if you're laughing, then you forget that you were offended with the previous statement. It's pretty good smartness. I'm, I'm you know like, "Mama raised a dummy. It wasn't me. Sorry, sister. Um, so I only have one sister. <laughs> I'll be getting a call later. But what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that this isn't about offending you. It's about, listen, most of us have money issues. And if every one of us could say, you know what, I could do this better. I could be more responsible. I could be more mature. Then God can use us in a whole lot more ways. So this isn't about a ploy of trying to get you to give more. i that's not my heart at all. My heart is this. Let's be let's use what God's given us for his kingdom and I hope that you can find some really great ministries out there and some great things that you'll want to invest in and help out. I'll tell you what it means to the world to these ministries that are out there trying to just make a difference all on their own. They don't have any help we got so many in this community. If there's anybody here that says, you know what, I need to find a couple of ministries, I will help you find those ministries because they're everywhere and there's so much need. So guys, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. So what I want you to do right now, and, and we always have an invitation, and here's, I think, what the greatest, the greatest thing about it is this, and I'm going to try to kind of go away from the money matters for a moment and I really want to just talk about God's grace kind of want to go back to that moment that we were talking about that Christ became poor for us you think about Jesus he was there in the beginning John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things that were created were created by Him. In verse 14, it says that the Word, Word became flesh. You see, Jesus didn't just come into an existence when He was born here on earth. He'd always been. Can you imagine being Jesus and setting aside setting aside all of that glory and sitting on a throne in heaven trading your golden scepter for three rusty nails trading your crown for a crown of thorns stepping down from a place of perfection a place of love and a place, place of, 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 of mercy and forever faithfulness to come down to a, this place he became poor poor for you so what I want us to do today is I just want to think about and I want you to maybe just uh, one of the things that Pastor Paul said a while back he went to a church and, and he was preaching and one of the ladies said you know what an altar is not just there to repent of our sins but also to praise God and so maybe today what we could do is spend some time praising God for the grace that we have received to thank God for all of that grace that He bestowed upon us, that how He became rich so, or poor so that I could receive grace in richness. Maybe today is that day of saying, God, thank You so much, and I got my, 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 my priorities are a little bit backwards, God, and I'm going to make that right with You. That's between You and Him. So today, that's what I want you guys to focus on so if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes I just want you to know the altar is open maybe you feel like this is a time that you want to praise God you want to thank Him for what He's done in your life you want to thank Him for the extreme grace that He has provided you maybe you want to just thank Him because He gave it all for you Maybe today is that day that you say, you know what, I've been fighting against God my whole life and today I'm just surrendering my whole self. Or maybe today is the day you say, you know what, I've surrendered every part of my life but my finances, but today it is, I'm giving it up to. I don't know where you are, but you do and God does. So this is your time to respond to Him. The altar is open.